We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. October 20th edition of the RotoWire NFL Podcast, Week 6. That's in the books. I'm Joe Bartle, and joined alongside me, Jake Letarski. As always, um, two Monday night games all the way through. Chiefs got the not-so-surprising win over the Bills, and the Cardinals got a very surprisingly dominant win over the Cowboys. I don't know. Like I, I know this is the free agent edition of the podcast. We're going to get to that, um, or, or free agent edition of the RotoWire Podcast. Mm-hmm. But I think we have to mention a list, at least a little bit about these Monday Night Football games. Yeah, well, can we start by saying double double headers on Monday Night just rule, and that should be a thing like indefinitely moving forward. I have no idea why we need to have so many packed noon games, then only two late games, and then and then two Monday Night games in the Sunday game. I'm much much more in favor of a spread out schedule. I gotta love that. I, I hope if there's anything the NFL can take away from this is that the NFL consuming product 
can can happen on days other than Sunday and Thursday, right? Like mm-hmm. the, there are other ways to go ahead and schedule games that will be marquee and fun to watch. And and I I, I am not a huge fan of the Thursday night games for a variety of reasons. I know the players aren't either. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's an argument to be made not to have these double Monday night games, but it really is fun. Like I was yesterday, I'm like, all right, great. Chiefs Bills, looking forward to that game. Oh, we also have the Cardinals Cowboys afterwards, and it isn't like it was too late at night either to stay up and watch those games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I guess let's start with the beginning one. Chiefs, Bills, I mean, a very, very run-heavy attack is what we saw from Kansas City to a great degree of success. I know Buffalo's regarded, at least a lot of people think of Buffalo you know, as one of the better defense. We were right. talking beforehand about them playing the Jets next week and, you know, what's their what's their roster ship at? You know, and it's at, it's at about 70%. So, uh, you, you know, they're out there. You're not running and dropping them after this game because you expected them to give up a lot of points. What you maybe didn't expect was the Bills' offense to just be so, so stale and Josh Allen to have his first, probably his first really bad game of the season. Yeah, and... And, and we know Josh Allen struggles against um, upper tier competition right now. I, like I, I thought that Rams game earlier this season was going to be all right. This is it. Josh Allen is finally over that hill. We know he's done really well as a more athletic passer and being more accurate. Okay, all those things are great. Mm-hmm. But can he beat these good teams? I thought that Rams game was more of a convincing um, fashion. I know they didn't really win. The refs helped them win that game, but still. Um, it, this yeah, was. I this think it went both ways in that game a little bit. The pass interference call, though, at the yeah. end of that Rams game. It, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yes. What, what what I'm going back to here, though, is the the rain. I think really changed the complete mm-hmm. outcome of this. Outcomes wrong. I think the Chiefs were going to win anyway, but how the Chiefs ended up winning with 166 yards from Clyde Hilaire, I think over 200 rushing yards total from the Chiefs' offense. Yeah. That is different than what we've seen the Chiefs do before, and it's what makes them so dangerous is that they can win in so many different ways. And this was with Clutche Osemele out as well. He's now on IR. That was one of their like top pickups uh, at offensive guard, and and you know they were still able to go for 200-plus yards against a good defense like mm-hmm. the Bills. Yeah, and you mentioned 161 rushing yards for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Is this the last game of the season where he gets 26 carries? Because Le'Veon Bell will be on his way in. Uh, I don't know about this week. What's It's like a 10, 14 day mandatory sitting period because for new signees, but possibly this upcoming week? I think it's. I think he's, he could be eligible to play this week. And it's funny. Do you remember um, when we were setting up the podcast for last week and I was like, hey, I had a friend tweet me that the the Jets are trying to trade Le'Veon Bell and you're like, oh, it's fine. We don't need to cover or whatever else. And I agreed with you. And I, I, I 100% agreed with you. And yet, um, what, I don't know, a couple hours after the podcast was posted there, Bell was released by the Jets. Of course, made the decision whether to sign between the Chiefs, Dolphins, and Bills. Goes to the Chiefs for the Super Bowl winner. I needed to ask you this because I was pretty high in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And quite frankly, I know other people are going to be asking me how I feel about this. What's your thoughts with the Bell-Clyde Edwards-Hilaire situation for fantasy purposes and how do you see it playing out the rest of the season? You know, all, all the talk around the Chiefs organization has been, we made this move because, one, we're not going to turn away good players, and, two, we just want to manage the workload on our rookie a little bit. So, of course, that's not something fantasy players want to hear. I mean, I could see a reasonable 20% reduction in his carries, but at the same time, that can be a good thing in a sense where you know he'll get the fresher legs and make the more, most out of the carries that he that he does get. I mean, I don't see situations where Edwards Alaire marches down the field and they sneak in Bell at the goal line necessarily. Um, so, yeah, maybe twenty to twenty five percent of his workload, but it's definitely not a killer for Edwards Alaire. I mean, he's definitely a top ten, maybe even top five running back still. Bell's value hurts me a little bit because. I don't know. We, we've got them ranked down at like 58 overall on our cheat sheet, and I think that's probably still a little bit too high. I, I don't see him. 
I, I have one share of him in our 12-team Vegas league, and I just I don't I don't see situations where I'm rushing to start him, especially this week. And and we'll see what what the distribution looks like moving forward. I've done some like weird bell curve thoughts on this since the news, like or maybe a roller coaster is what you like. At first, I was like, oh, Dean, crap! I I can't. This is going to suck. Like Edward Slayer is not going to play at all. Like God, have you seen him in the red zone? He's just been terrible. And then I'm like, well, wait. I mean, like, is Le'Veon Bell actually that good? I, I know Adam Gase is just the worst thing ever for the NFL and certainly for the Jets, but maybe Bell also is part of this equation. And now I'm kind of back to how well, they could split snaps and. I don't know. I th- I think like gun to the head. Um, like, what are my thoughts on the situation? I think Edwards Hilaire is the better player. Like when I watch him on the field, he is electric. He is a really good player, and I want really good players in that offense. I still tend to believe Bell can be a good player too, so it's a little bit hard. Exactly. And especially with how Edwards Hilaire has struggled in the red zone, I could actually see Bell yeah. sneak in and do that stuff. Yeah. Well, when thinking of how this is going to shake out here. Um, one, obviously, if you're holding on to Daryl Williams in case anything happens to Edwards Flair, he, he's gone. You know, he's on the chopping block here. So Williams and Darwin Thompson got a combined nine carries last night. That's not going to happen anymore. That's right? like all Bell so, production. So you start by giving that all to Bell. Yep. And then once Bell has all of that, you take, you know, what, one or two carries, maybe three to four. Total, right. Because of his Pat Bell's pass catch, maybe three to four touches a game away from Hilaire. And that's, you know, that's a ding, but that's nothing detrimental to me. Yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty good analysis. I think you're right in saying that Daryl Williams is uh, all of the opportunities they're gone. I mean, like that's that's basically all of Bell stuff. So, do you think Bell can be a flex option moving forward? I don't know if I believe that necessarily. But if he is the red zone guy, like the red zone guy, yeah. then yes, he could be. Well, I'm not cutting him, so I, okay. I'm definitely. Hanging I mean, that's good. I mean, Bell. that's a good I distinction. Mean, you, have, you have to start somewhere. You have to draw the line starting there. And I'm not cutting Le'Veon Bell, um, but he's also kind of in that purgatory where I'm not going to start him and until I see that he can at least get double-digit touches in a game, at which point then you consider a flex spot in a 12-team league. A 10-team league, ooh, man, it'd have to depend That's on tough. the rest of your roster and who's out there. I don't think there are any free agents we're going to talk about this week that I necessarily cut Bell for, but you know, maybe some of the guys that we've talked about in past weeks, you know, the, the, he's right on that line, that replacement line in a 10-team room, maybe. Well, it's frustrating because you know there's somebody else in your league that will be aggressively going in on uh, on Bell because, the A, they don't think Edward Slayer is very good, or A, they, or B, they think Bell is really good. Or just, Will there be, though? I mean... Oh, I well, okay. I'm saying if the the people out there listening right now, maybe not the leagues that you and I are in, but I guarantee you, in every single ten team league, there will be somebody out there that believes Le'Veon Bell can be amazing in this Chiefs offense because Everslayer has not. Yeah, been. I mean, he just hasn't been good since 2017 with Pittsburgh, and then he averaged four yards per carry, which was the lowest since his rookie year. Then he took the year off. Then he played in 15 games last year with the Jets, 3.2 yards per carry, 789 yards, only found the end zone four total times, rushing and receiving combined. More of a factor in the passing game. He's just, I don't know, people, maybe someone out there will buy him on name, but I, I not me. All right, let's talk about some players that you might be dropping. Uh, your boy, Michael Hardman, has let yep. you down horribly. Yeah, you know what? I finally reached that tipping point this week. If Sammy Watkins, I thought, okay, Sammy Watkins out. We're going to give Michael Hardman a chance. Andy Reid's a smart coach. He's going to use his best athlete in there. But really, I think the only way Hardman gets a bump is if something were to happen to Tariq Hill at this point. Because with Watkins out, Hardman got one carry. Now, granted, there's some game flow issues here. You know, the Chiefs were kind of playing clock. It was Mm -hmm. rainy. You know, they were ahead in the game the whole time. Didn't have to pass much. Went to their, you know, sure and steady thing, Kelsey, more than anything else, which I can respect. But uh, the fact that he got one target, Demarcus Robinson got six, 
and Byron Pringle even got two targets, which he which he uh, caught them both. Um, for me, that pretty much you know I, I'm fine cutting Nicole Hardman now, and in, in and I will be doing it even in my 14 team league this week. I think. Yeah, I mean, if I was your stake league friends and players that are out there, I'm picking up Hartman though. When you come, I, I'm not I'm not ready to get off that bandwagon just yet. And maybe it's because I really wasn't jumping on it necessarily. I, mean, I always loved him more in a best ball format, yep. and you did too. I mean, you were yeah. you weren't like pushing that away. Mm-hmm. There's going to be highs and there's going to be lows, but I really want those players that can have those highs because if you do happen to roll the dice and get it right on that week, that's a huge win for you, like a Justin Jefferson-sized win for you. Yeah, yes, exactly, a Justin Jefferson-sized win. We're going to so, get to that one. Yeah, exactly. So, I'm, I mean, I'm having running back troubles in stake league, number one, and uh, so that means I've been starting four wide receivers a lot. I've started Miko Harbin four times. I even started him this week with his zero Still scored 150 points, so creeping my way back up. But like, it could it could have been better. It was a low scoring fantasy week on the whole, so this is my chance to really catch up. And Hardman absolutely let me down in his best opportunity of the year. Um, you know, I'm going to take a close look at this waiver wire. Maybe there aren't great options, and I'll and I'll kind of go back on the statement. But uh, for now, I mean, in your 12 teamers, I don't I don't see any reason to be holding on to Hardman. Definitely not in your 10 teamers. I'll give you a cut guy that I'm looking at, uh, Zach Moss. He had five carries for 10 yards. Singletary got 75% of the snaps during Monday's loss against the Chiefs. We know that Moss just returned from an injury. Again, this was sloppy conditions, so maybe you want to also kind of be a little bit slower with him um, when it comes to the Bills' perspective, putting him out there. I, I never thought Moss was that good of a player, and I know it goes counter to just about every smart person I know that works here at Rotoware. Everyone was all in on Zach Moss. I never saw it. I'm not ready to go ahead and dance yeah. about it because, I again, there's too many smart people that seem to think he was this good player. But to me, he just seems slow, plotting, ineffective. And I know that Singletary's 40 time wasn't fast, but he plays like a different light, light, light year level of speed than Moss does in the field. Yeah, Singletary got twice as many carries as Moss last night. And the other thing is he had 75% of the snaps compared to 25 for uh, for Moss, so you know Yeldon Jones really non factors um, on offense. So, I mean, Singletary is still the guy, even with Moss healthy. Usually, um, I don't know. Sometimes you wait till after the bye, I guess, for the rookie to get really more involved. But that's actually my dilemma in stake league: is Moss my first cut or is Hardman my first cut? And I'm thinking maybe Moss is my first cut, but my problem is I own Singletary too, so I like having one yeah. part of that backfield knocked down, which is why I'm probably more likely to cut Hardman, but it's going to tear me up all week. Well, and and you talked about you need help at running back, so maybe there's some other options. Uh, Boston Scott, for example, that you mm-hmm. maybe could consider. And we'll get to those running back options in a little bit. I want to talk really briefly, because we, we spent some time on the Chiefs' bills. There shouldn't be much time spent on the Cardinals-Cowboys. Uh, Zeke basically coughed up the game in the first half. Two first-half fumbles that had to be killer uh, for fantasy managers out there. I thankfully was not having to have the situations i had already won the game when i in my zeke league um but i mean like kyler murray excellent Mm -hmm. christian kirk i mean that's a guy that i had to drop in stake league earlier this year never really felt the need to pick him up but two touchdowns in this game was a very very clear number two option besides deandre hopkins Mm -hmm. Uh, like that's an that's an interesting name that i have to imagine is probably a little bit over our threshold but people in 10 team leagues might need to consider picking up i don't know he's around I, i wouldn't give him 10 team leagues i think he's right around our threshold actually we talked about him last week so i didn't have it he's uh 41 percent. So oh you, okay so you could so go get him if you wanted uh the only thing is remember you're you're buying 
future week production and not past week production. He was only targeted three times. Two of them went for scores. For perspective, Larry Fitzgerald got more targets than Christian Kirk. So it's just a matter of, uh, you know, Murray's going to take his Good deep point. shots. He's going to take his deep shots. And chances are those deep shots these days, uh, you know, maybe some might go to Hopkins. Hopkins had one nice one. But, you know, he's going to give Kirk one or two deep shots a game. And does he catch him? And if he doesn't, he's very much in for a dud fantasy game. Well, I don't think Kirk is necessarily the deep threat option. I mean, you look at the Jets game. He had five catches for 78 yards. Um, he, the the target that he got where he scored his first touchdown was a very designed jet sweep kind of thing where he just came across the field for it. I like the matchup this week against the Seahawks. And again, I mean, there's a lot of different teams on by um, that are that you might have to consider the Ravens, Dolphins, Vikings, and Colts. That's a lot of really quality wide receivers of that group. So you might have to go out there and say, hey, a Christian Kirk who just had a pretty good game against the Seahawks defense. There are definitely worse guys to pick up if he is at that 41% ownage rate on, Yah- mm-hmm. on Yahoo or yeah. rostered rate. The only other bit of advice I'll give with the Cardinals is I think uh, you know, if you didn't stay up and watch this game last night, Kenyon Drake had, you know, the definition of a garbage time, 69-yard <laughs> touchdown yeah. run. This is at a point where the Dallas Cowboys defense didn't care. They wanted to go home. Uh, the Cardinals gave the ball to Drake, and he ran it for 69 yards and a score. So at the end of his day, he, it looks 20 carries for 164 yards, 8.2 yards a carry and two touchdowns. I would try to sell, sell actually. High. Yeah. Sell, sell high. high. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> sell Kenyon Drake now while you can. If you can get a wide receiver one for him, make that move. If you can get even a running back generally in that range, please make that move as well. You know, I'm looking at, uh, you know, kind of, I'm trying to get some perspective. Well, I was going to say that. We got Drake down at 57 in our rankings in standard <laughs> leagues, so this isn't messing around here. He knows what's up, but uh, uh, sell high now if you can. That would be a fun game to play um, with, with me on Twitter or you as well. Just what would you trade Drake for? Because there would be a lot of things that uh, you'd be surprised mm-hmm. with. Like, yeah, no, go ahead. It's definitely trade Kenny Drake. I, like Chase Edmonds, we had talked about multiple times in the podcast now. He still was a factor in this game. He was still a receiving factor, which is the critical mm-hmm. part about it. And Kenny Drake, for as great as he has been getting rushing touchdowns the last two weeks, has really only been getting rushing mm-hmm. touchdowns. He had the, yep. the, the 60 plus yards before that run. So, yeah, uh, yeah sell here's, high. here's a move you should try to make, a, a predatory move, we should say. <laughs> you should find the Edward Solero owner. Try to talk them into the fact that Bell's coming in and then offer them Kenyon Drake straight up after Drake's big, Drake, big game. That would be uh, that would be the move to make, I think, in fantasy this week uh, if hey, you can. I like it. I, I like it a lot. Or targeting some of these teams that are on by, again, the Ravens, mm-hmm. Dolphins, Vikings, Colts. Yeah. Not that a Delvin Cook uh, manager necessarily wants yeah. to move on from Delvin Cook, but hey, you can get a starting running back out of Kenny Drake mm-hmm. this week, and you know Cook might get hurt again. Like yeah. there's or Jonathan Taylor. Like mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor, yeah. I'm still taking 100 percent of the time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I take uh, I trade great Drake for like Cooper Cup and a kicker. Not, not, a, not, a, not a kicker, like a place <laughs> a kicker, kicker, but like a kicker, like a random you know flyer guy you would take a shot at. Um, yeah, I mean. Yeah, exactly. See, maybe get maybe find someone who's got uh, so you got Ravens, Dolphins, Vikings, Colts on by. Like you said, Jonathan Taylor. Maybe try to trade him for him. How about Miles Gaskin, who's actually kind of quietly emerged as a very true workhorse back in the NFL right now. Yeah, that, that's a tough one. I would be willing to bet we rank Gaskin high. We actually rank Gaskin four spots higher in our rankings. Okay. So there's some perspective. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic... This is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. 
All right. Well, let's actually get to the free agent portion of our podcast. I mean, we spent some time. There's two Monday Night Football games. So that doesn't always happen. It seems like it does this mm-hmm. year, but it doesn't always happen. But more importantly, there just really isn't a lot of major news for these pickup guys out there. Mm-hmm. I talked about Boston Scott. He's going to be a guy that we kind of reference a little bit more. The biggest news came a little bit earlier today, and it's going to be, I don't want to say an earth shaker from an NFL perspective, but it's definitely big news that Tua is going to be the starting quarterback for the Dolphins after the team's Week 7 bye. Ryan Fitzpatrick out the door. Dolphins did just beat the Jets pretty handily, although possibly you and I starting in the NFL could beat the Jets handily at this point. Mm. I, don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal that Tua is now the starting quarterback, but I'm going to be very, very curious to see how this affects Devontae Parker, how this affects Preston Williams, Mike Jasicki, and who we just mentioned earlier, Miles Gaskin. I think the entire complexion that Dolphins' offense can change with – I don't want to say a game manager because that's not true. And it was an insult when we called Russell Wilson a game manager. Mm-hmm. But when you're a rookie, especially one that had injury concerns entering the year, that feels like the most appropriate phrase for it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, looking down, I, I had a real hot, tough time coming up with a concrete take here on Tua because, of course, he's, you know, the, the thing that stood out to me most was Fitzpatrick's 3 and 3. He's had 20 or more fantasy points in the last five games. He's been playing well by all intents and purposes. Yeah. So, like, the timing of this move confused me a little bit, but nonetheless, we have to move on to Tua and, and think about kind of what you're going to bid for him. Um, he had no combine because of the hip injury. Obviously, the NFL didn't have any preseason. We saw him go out and throw two passes last week at the end of the game. He completed them both. Um, of course, I mean, I liked what I saw in college, but there's starting to be some question marks towards the end about is he really the best quarterback in that draft class? I, I mean, I think you have to go out and get him, but it's going to depend on your situations here. Obviously, two quarterback leagues, it's a... Uh, I mean, in a two-quarterback league, you can make a case for emptying the rest of your budget out here, potentially, because, you know, how many— He should be the starter the rest of the way. Yeah, it's because not going to change. Yeah, I mean, who would you rather have, Tua or Dalton, like, at this point? So, right. Yeah, we didn't we didn't talk about Dalton too much. I don't think—we we both agree that Dalton's not necessarily the problem there, but, uh, um, yeah, Tua or Dalton, you know, and compared to Dalton, compared to Nick Foles, like we talked about last week, um, you know, I saw 45 to $50 bids for Nick Foles, so I think you're going to need a $65 bid, 65%, I should say, um, to go ahead and grab Tua. Um, I think he's— I think he'll be fine. He's he's got weapons. He's going to have his bumps in the road, no doubt here. But uh, I mean, he's got the natural talent. He seems like he's fully healthy. If they were willing to put him in, right? The, the only issue is, you know, you have to wait until after the buy to get him. So um, the only league actually where I'm thinking about growing after him uh, will be stake league because my only quarterback is Matt Ryan, and I had it glorious last week mm-hmm. but i'm not necessarily expecting that to be super consistent week in and week out and minnesota has their own defensive secondary problems so it's not a complete shocker that matt ryan had a great game um but i had cut drew Brees earlier in the year because i had some tough roster decisions i mean it's just been a tough year in that league for me um i'm gonna grab Tua. um the only problem is i've used about 88 percent of my fab budget <laughs> already trying to make trying to make patches hey at least it got me justin jefferson at least it got me that but um but yeah, it's uh it's two a time and I think this is a this is a half your budget bid in a two quarterback league. Um six to ten dollars in a single league, but I don't it'll be tough to stomach with him on a buy coming up. See, I don't even think I'm doing that. I think I, 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 there's there's two sides of this. The narrative part is what I'm really falling victim to, and I know I shouldn't. I know Tua is a very good player. But I'm I'm really intrigued by the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has, like you mentioned, been playing really well, is still getting benched. Not that's quite a, as well as Cousins, though. Not well, okay, eh, we're gonna get to that. We're, I mean, like that means 
That has to mean that Tua is healthy. That unequivocally has to mean that, right? Like if if Tua was at all, like even like one smidgen of a health percent not good, they're just putting Fitzpatrick out there, especially against the Rams, right? Like, I mean, that's their opponent after the bye week, Aaron Donald and the Rams. So if Tua is not 100% healthy, there's no reason why you're putting him out there. But I think if Tua is 100% healthy, he's a pretty darn good quarterback. Now, I'm not starting in week eight against the, the Rams. Again, I, like I, mm-hmm. I, it's it's tough in a two QB league. You might have to if you're really trying to be aggressive in getting him. But in most situations, you're having to wait at least two weeks to go ahead and play them. So the Cardinals, the Chargers, the Broncos, Cardinals, Cardinals, you can make a case to play against. I don't think you can against the Broncos and maybe not even against the Chargers, especially if Melvin Ingram is back and healthy and Joey Bosa is too. So out of four weeks, you only get one of those that you can confidently start to win. That's a little bit of a hard problem for me if I'm spending 6 to $10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit. And I, I do want to address, you asked about the uh, the uh, ancillary fantasy options and I kind of danced around that question and gave what I thought of Tua, but um, I actually don't think it changes that much because I'm not sure I put Fitzpatrick in the top 15 quarterbacks in the league uh, necessarily anyway maybe in a given week depending on the matchup here um i know tua wasn't necessarily uh you know crazy mobile in college you know he uh 2018 with alabama was maybe one of his better rushing years 57 for 190 yards 3.3 yards per carry he did run run five touchdowns in i don't know how much they're going to want him to be mobile Mm -hmm. you know given that past injury he might have to given that offensive line though Mm -hmm. which is really bad yeah exactly so i mean the first thought was like Okay, do I think of him as mobile? Will that help Miles Gaskins? Then I looked into it, and you know the 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 further analysis determined that was a no. Okay, so he did. So it, I mean, it's pretty much a stalemate for most of these guys. You know, uh, whoever gelled better with him in camp between Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. Am I cutting Devontae Parker? No. Am I rushing to pick up Preston Williams, who scored in back to back week weeks? Now, of course, that's under Fitzpatrick, so mm-hmm. it's, it's tough to to redo that. Am I rushing to pick up Preston Williams? No. Am I rushing to cut? Devontae Parker, no. Is Miles Gaskin a top 50 fantasy player? No, but could be still. So Yeah, it's tough because the gunslinger aspect makes Parker and Williams always more of a higher upside play. Like you can say, hey, they're going to be wide receiver threes any given, given week, but they have the potential to be more than, I don't know, some some other you know, like uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, for example, like it, even, even in the Packers offense, like I think Williams and Parker have the higher upside. But I don't, I, that goes away with two. I don't think he's going to be taking those chances because rookies just don't take those chances very often. You see Joe Burrow, he's been really effective. Justin Herbert certainly has been effective, but the offense has been schemed accordingly for those guys. And I just don't see where the offense really changes. It, it's going to be really interesting. I'm excited to watch that game. I've never, I never thought I'd be sitting here on the year 2020 and say, hey, I can't wait for Dolphins Rams, but it, it's going to be one to watch for. I, I'm jacked by it. And this is all to do but nothing because, again, I think there's probably many other options that you could consider instead. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield, Andy Dalton, Daniel Jones, all these guys are under 50% owned. I just kind of listed them all, and then I figured we could have a little debate about there's it. There's only one I want. Yeah, in, in Payne's article, he mentions, which is, is fair, he mentions Justin Herbert at 59% and Gardner Minshew at 54%. Those aren't quite in your in our threshold, but I think I rank those guys just about better than anyone else here uh, that we're going to talk about. And Yeah, I just kind of put them all down so we could talk about it. I mean, I, Bridgewater at New Orleans, that's fine with me. Mayfield... Again, you have to have a bounce back at Cincinnati. That could be the one. Uh, Dalton at Washington. Uh, Again, I'm not quite sure Dalton's the the issue there. And when you put him in a situation where he's down three scores and has to throw the ball, well, of course the pass rush is going to get after him. Uh, So, you know, I, I don't rule out Dalton. Decent matchup on the road. Plus, I should mention, 
all these all these guys all on the possible stream category, they're all on the road this week. I don't know if that mm. matters as much as it did in past weeks, but there's nobody with a with a nice safe home high over under matchup. There's, it's one of the toughest weeks to stream here. Uh, you know, you could go for Danny Dimes on Thursday night football. I don't like that. Jimmy G at New England. I'm not touching that because Jimmy, G, you know how Belichick against his past players, he's <laughs> going to be able to scheme that just fine. Derek Carr versus Tampa Bay. Well, I don't mind Derek Carr rest of season, but I'm not touching him after what the Bucks defense did to Aaron Rodgers this past week. And then we're getting into Nick Foles, Drew Locke, maybe Sam Darnold comes back, this kind of territory. Um, I mean, do you like anybody this week? I would, if you said Baker Mayfield was completely healthy, and I'm not talking about whatever we decide healthy was last week against the Steelers, but actually legitimately healthy, yes, I think Baker Mayfield is a top 12 quarterback for me this week, much in the same way that I thought Fitzpatrick was and you thought Kirk Cousins was. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, listeners, I did hold true to my word. We Jake won that Culver's board bet that we had mm-hmm. from last week, and I was just all excited at halftime. Cousins was like 7 for 20, three interceptions. I was gloating on Twitter. I had Culver's liking my tweets. It was all set for glory. And then you literally, quite literally, called exactly what was going to happen. Exactly. Because I, for one, you know, it was Sunday and I kind of forgot about the Tuesday bet. It's been a few days. (laughs) You didn't even know who you were against. (laughs) Yeah. And then I was like, wait a minute. Okay. Oh, shoot. I did pick Cousins. Oh, dang. This isn't looking good. Who am I going up against? So then I asked that. And then I was like, yeah, you know what? Well, Justin Jefferson's gonna gonna bring him back in garbage time, and that is exactly what happened. Justin 360 Jefferson had an insane passing yards, game, an insane three game. touchdowns for Cousins. Jefferson was like a huge factor in that. Thielen got garbage time, and mm-hmm. by the way, the Vikings never threatened the Falcons at any point in that game mm-hmm. at all in the second half, and yet there Cousins is I, the higher fantasy yeah, scorer than Fitzpatrick. Exactly. I was starting to worry about Fitz a little bit early, given that he got those touchdowns got, yeah. early in the game, and he could have had a great game. But then again, the Jets were just never. They were just so bad. Game. <laughs> so Fitz just didn't need to throw the ball anymore, and then they eventually went to Tua. It got it got comfortable enough. So I mean, the listeners benefited because I, I imagine Fitzpatrick and Cousins were both uh, quality starters. So good for you guys to be able to, to bounce yeah. off of both of us. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't have the Culver's gift card that I wanted to have for the photo op for for Jake, but I did have the ten dollars that is mm-hmm. well slotted for him. We'll slap it in next week, I guess, instead. But there you go. I, I mean, I true to my word, held up to that one. I'm disappointed mm-hmm. in my man Fitzpatrick, but yeah. more disappointed. Well, more impressed, quite frankly, more impressed with how prophetic you were in calling exactly what was going to occur. Yeah, so. I don't think I'll ever be that right about anything ever again, <laughs> so you should probably just turn it off and skip to the next show. Well, okay, so Mayfield of this group is the one that I want, but I'm not confident about his health. So that being said, I don't even think it's a great week to stream quarterbacks. There's just way too many guys under our threshold that really don't make sense. If Herbert and Minshew are available, again, Herbert, at, as of this podcast, was around 60% owners uh, manage roster rate, I should say, for the Chargers, and then Minshew at 54% roster rate. So mm-hmm. it, it's, I mean, if those guys are gone, uh, I don't have a lot of advice for you for streaming quarterbacks yeah, this week. Uh, yeah, week two against Cincinnati, Baker Mayfield threw for uh, 219 yards and two touchdowns. Um, so he was decent, you know, didn't necessarily have to light it up. Uh, they ran the ball really well against the Bengals, so you know he didn't have to score a lot of points. So there's something there. Obviously, he's coming off the worst game of the season, so you definitely want to you know confirm his health. He was kind of questionable going into the game, and now you know he. I mean, he at least played like someone that was hurt. So so we don't know there. I think 
Not really confident to make a board bet on it because there's a lot of variation of outcomes. I think I'm going to go Dalton this week over him. I don't necessarily like it a lot, but uh, give Dalton this week a pass to settle in. Zeke's not going to come out there and fumble two times. They're going to actually be able to work through Zeke a little bit more, and that's only going to help Dalton. Now, he's no Dak Prescott, obviously. I don't think anybody that thought that uh, there was going to be no drop-off there was completely out of their out, out of their minds. Dak Prescott, I believe, is still the NFL leading passer after missing a week. Uh, if that that tells you anything, but uh, I think Dalton will be okay. People who want to jump ship, you know, in your two quarterback leagues, it's a bad time to go to uh, jump ship on Dalton. So definitely, uh, I, I like him a little more than Mayfield this week. More because you know, if you got a chance, the Cowboys are obviously on national TV. If you got a chance to watch Mayfield, was he any better than Dalton last week? Really? No, no, he so. did. He was awful. He was awful. I, I actually am. Maybe talking myself mentally into Derek Carr, and I know you talked about how the Buccaneers destroyed the Packers, and they did. That that completely happened. But the part that destroyed the Packers was the pass rush, and, and Rodgers has just never had time at all. The Raiders' offense is designed to get the ball out quickly and not have the pass rush affect them. I feel like that was a huge game, and the Buccaneers cared about that one way more than the Packers. So you come off a little bit of this high. Maybe you get a Darren Waller touchdown. Henry Ruggs runs wild. You get touchdown. I, like, there, there's... There's crazier things to me, and I think the Buccaneers' defense is really good. So this is it's just tough. Like I, I'm, I'm only playing off of momentum or what I could see lack thereof, given how well the Buccaneers showed up. But this is just yeah. a tough week overall for mm-hmm. streaming quarterbacks. Well, and then the Chargers, or I'm not sorry, not the Chargers, the Raiders. Their upcoming schedule at Cleveland, at the Chargers versus Denver, all bottom ten, twelve pass defenses. So. Um, you know, the, I could see making a play for Carr now if you at least know in the next couple of weeks maybe your quarterback has a bad matchup or is on by. Think ahead. All right, let's move over to the running backs. Um, Alexander Madison let everybody down uh, in in the fantasy world, and I saw so many people on Twitter dunking on you know like Matthew Berry's of the world, and I think uh, our Jeff Erickson also ranked Madison in the top five overall running backs this week too, and. Like, I don't, I, I knew, I, we actually mentioned it. Like, I, I think that was the reasoning for why I didn't believe Cousins would do well because they fired Dan Quinn and maybe this energy would be different. It was it was a really haphazard, mm-hmm. lackadaisical way. And it ended up being true, but we could not have predicted it to be this extent where Madison just was phased out of the game plan altogether by the first quarter because Cousins was just terrible. So, yeah. uh, I like, I, I mean, mean, I was all in on Madison. I'm not going to. Right. Uh, that's not, what I'm, I'm saying. Gonna, I, I mean, everybody I was. Friend, I told my friend in a 10 team league with Delvin Cook to blow the rest of the year. Dollars yes. and fab buddy money on him, yeah. So just so you could have them both in case Cook is injured any further or or that anything like that happens the rest of the year. Um, obviously, he let us down, but you know I, I'm still willing to call this the exception and not the norm. I think yeah. he bounces back. I agree. Um, Justin Jackson, we're going to be. It'll be interesting because he had the bye, the bye week this week was kind of a factor last week, and as opposed to Joshua Kelly, I'm still thinking this is going to be more of a 1A, 1B situation. If you want to go ahead and get Justin Jackson, if he's not already available, mm-hmm. go ahead, but I don't think he's any better than the flex play. But J.D. McKissick actually is the guy that I'm a little bit intrigued from and probably is still available in a lot of different leagues right now. Mm-hmm. It's not that I think he's outplayed Antonio Gibson, who is that pseudo running back wide receiver rookie for Washington. I think it's just that McKissick fits Kyle Allen's style, which is to say he will throw two yards in 
and that's it. Exactly. So McKissick is just 14% rostered in Yahoo leagues right now. I actually picked him up for a $6 bid last week in our 14-team stake league. I was all ready to start him because of my dire running back situation. And then, of course, I got talked into trading for Mark Ingram, who I threw out there. <laughs> who got, and proceeded oh, to Harry immediately. worked you over on that yes, one? He pre- oh, pre- no. Mm-hmm. I was talking I mean, to I him g- on I the other him, side of that. I mean, I, I, gave him, <laughs> I gave him Gallup, who I was down on, and I gave him Fant, who's hurt anyway. So, you know, whatever. Maybe Ingram comes back. You I know. was talking to him on the on Slack on our, our communication services at Rotoware. I'm like, man, you got to steal sending Ingram for fans and Gallup. I didn't know it was you. Oh, man. Yeah. This is me unintentionally working over my co host in the podcast. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, Jake, for that. Well, I mean, I, I just, I, I was okay giving up Fant in the league. I had Kelsey, and I just didn't think very highly of Gallup given sure. the whole situation there and the offensive line situation. So I was fine with it given my desperate need of running back. Obviously, it backfired, but when do they not? Um, I had to start McKissick in our dynasty league that we were doing, actually, yeah. and that ended up working out pretty yeah. well. I think in a full point PPR league, he's going to be pretty close to a top 30 guy. Mm-hmm. And I know you're like, oh, Joe, top 30, great. Well, I mean, if you're in a full point PPR league in 12 teams, like that's probably flex worthy mm-hmm. for you to consider, especially with four teams on by. Yeah, even in the best game flow scenario, I don't really see a situation where Gibson's getting 25 carries and then, of course, being having the pass catching chops that McKissick does. McKissick arguably has just as much big playability. We've seen it in flashes during his time in Seattle with a couple of good weeks. So he's fine here. But what about new guys for this week? I think consensus, it's got to be Boston he's Scott. He's the top pickup. Yep, he would be the top pickup. He, the only guy, I mean, I don't really like using a number one waiver priority on a player like Boston Scott, especially when it's a rental, you know, one week, maybe two weeks tops. Um, but he would be the number one ranked pickup this week just because Miles Sanders has that knee injury. We'll sit out Thursday night football against the Giants. That leaves a committee led by Boston Scott. Corey Clement will maybe be in the mix a little bit, but I, I think Scott's your guy if you need one player this week. I mean, there isn't a Justin Jefferson from past weeks or Chase Claypool from past weeks. There isn't a Miles Gaskins available that, or an Alexander Madison even that was there. There isn't any clear cut guy. Scott Scott is the tier of this group, but it's not that great for Week Seven. Mm-hmm. I think when we've seen in the past. What do the Eagles do when they have no pass catchers or running backs available? Boston Scott does everything for him. And I was surprised to see him not be more of a factor in last week's game. But it could simply be a scenario of, okay, now we know what we're having. And this couldn't be a better matchup, too, against the Giants on Thursday Night Football. You just got to get a win, especially in this NFC East division. Really, anything is on the table. So using your best players in the best situations and skill sets for them, mm-hmm. that's Boston Scott. And I think you're you're talking like... Easy RB two, easy yep. RB two for a starter this week, and I, I like I would be comfortable with all those teams again. Jonathan Taylor, Delvin Cook, um, other other ones on by as well. You know, Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, mm-hmm. and Miles Gaskins, like. Yeah, I, I, I am all in on Boston Sky as my top pickup. Yeah, I mean, he's only had five carries in the last three weeks, so in theory he should be on fresh legs, uh, so that'll be good. I mean, yeah, it, it's a one-week rental. He's in kind of a tier of his own among running backs this week. The game script, uh, everything expects to be in his favor this week. You know, I, I don't expect craziness, but I, I do expect a good 10 to 15 fantasy points, and that's really all you can ask for uh, from your RB2 position there. Um, in the next year behind Scott, I'm looking at both uh, Gio Bernard and Jamichael Hasty. That, uh, that's where we're going here. Uh, Gio Bernard would be your guy to watch. It's more of a watchless guy because of Joe Mixon maybe dealing with a foot injury. Obviously, Gio Bernard is right there with Scott in terms of guys that can get you that 10-15 points, especially in PPR if Mixon's down. Uh, and then Jamichael Hasty. 
he was the guy behind Jarek McKinnon in uh, San Francisco this mm-hmm. week. Raheem Mostert has that high ankle sprain. He's IR bound. Jeff Wilson's going to be back in practice, but has that calf injury. McKinnon just got back. I don't know if he's 100% just yet. Um, so we'll see what the practice mix looks like with Wilson. But uh, uh, Hasty looked more explosive than McKinnon, like a guy who's ready sure. to get his yeah. shot. So in deeper leagues, he's virtually 0% rostered. You can go ahead and grab him. Um, maybe not for a cheap price anymore, but if you're not willing to play, pay Boston Scott money and you need a guy, you know, 3 4% of fabs. That, yeah, that see, I think I think Hasty is still going to be a pretty cheap bid. Like you don't you don't have to do anything to go ahead and get because f- we 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 have to assume McKinnon is still going to be the guy because he was that guy before when this similar situation occurred. And Jeff Wilson, if you were to return to health, then becomes the number two. So Hasty is the number three, and and Hasty is actually pretty talented. I don't think people understand how good he is, but. The system is going to help all these running backs look pretty good. And if McKinnon and Wilson are still getting 70, 80% of the opportunities, I just don't see a scenario where Hasty really gets it. This is this is not going to be a Rex Burkhead situation where he just drops 36 points randomly mm-hmm. for you. I, I don't I don't see how that occurs. I actually like Giovanni Bernard. Like if you're not going after McKissick or Boston Scott, Giovanni Bernard is my number three running back pickup. Mm-hmm. I have Bernard everywhere that I already have Mixon, and even in a few leagues like our Dynasty League, deeper ones, it just made sense to me as a pass catcher. Like, oh, here's a little worse version of Tariq Cohen. Sure, in full point PPR, I get it. Mm-hmm. We know the Bengals like to use Bernard as the guy when Mixon's out. We've seen it before last year, I think, and even the year before that, there was at least two or three instances where Bernard got 15 to 20 carries and also did pass-catching stuff. So he actually is an even safer one-week starter should we know Mixon's status. We don't, though. And that's that's the part of it that, like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm telling you right now. Tuesday waivers, it's always tough. It's 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 a hard thing. So, like, I, if you said right now for certain Mixon is not playing Sunday, Bernard is my starter over Boston Scott. We just don't have that information. We know Sanders is going to be out. Scott's going to be the guy against the Giants. Give me that every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then after those guys, there's a tier of kind of deep league guys. Uh, Gus Edwards is 3%, and he got 14 carries, obviously, with Mark Ingram leaving that game. That's disappointing, right, that Mm -hmm. Dobbins didn't get more of those? Dobbins got a good point, or a good part, and he's definitely the lead back, but I think Edwards will poach goal line carries and will just get his drives sometimes. They'll go to him on some drives just to kind of switch things up. Um, The problem is, of course, that the Ravens are on a bye. We'll see what happens with Mark Ingram Mm -hmm. if he's ready to return after the bye week. So I don't know if that would hold up. I put maybe a bump ahead of Jeremy McNichols, who looks like the new— Yes, that's relevant for mm -hmm. sure. He looks like the new Derrick Henry contingency plan. I mean, uh, 39% of the offensive snaps. Uh, He got 29 total snaps to Henry's 45. Obviously, Henry had the massive game, and McNichols isn't going to necessarily cut into his carry workload a ton but you know we've kind of we've rotated through different guys who's the real backup in Tennessee who's going to get you know how are they going to shake out those 30 carries if anything were to ever happen to Henry you know one of the most used backs in the league so I think McNichols comes on the fantasy radar for that reason right now McNichols needs to be rostered in 12 or 14 leagues like 30 to 35 percent. I don't think people quite understand this. Darrington Evans is now placed on IR. They have senior uh, Perry on IR as well. Um, it's just Derrick Henry mm-hmm. and Jeremy Nick. Nick- Jeremy McNichols yeah. on the Titans running back roster. I'm not going to tell you right now McNichols is going to get a Derrick Henry workload if Henry to get injured. I'm just saying you absolutely need to. In the same vein that Tony Pollard, Chase Edmonds, and Alexander Madison should have been rostered everywhere, this is the same type of deal 
if you have a valuable or if you have a roster spot, like just if you can afford yeah. to get the backup in the situation, you need to. Yeah, you obviously don't root for injury, but if something were to happen to Henry, whether it was a one week injury or a rest of the season injury, he immediately turn around and, and McNichols becomes your, your full rest of your fab budget, top waiver claim, mm-hmm. that type of player. Yeah, so I'm like a just. He, I don't know how many people can with now back-to-back weeks with four different teams on by if you can really afford for a situation like that to occur. You know, in our stake league, I, I put a $1 um, bid on, on Darrington Evans as my backup to Derrick Henry. I'm going to be trying to do the same thing with Jeremy McNichols right now. Yeah. It's very clear right now he's the backup. So Okay, last guy on my list I wanted to mention, his his roster ship's getting up there in the 20% range, but LaMichael Pirine for the Jets, now you definitely – I don't know how much you really want to mess around with Adam Gase players, but P. Ryan had 41 snaps to Gore's 25 and Johnson's 10, uh, which would be a 58% snap share for P. Ryan. Looks like he's the guy there. Of course, you don't really ex- have high expectations there, but uh, he's somebody that, you know, maybe if, uh, you know, a new regime comes in. I was going to say, he's a con- contingency that, plan yeah, for Gase being fired, yeah, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> a new regime comes in, realizes he's their best player, and maybe suddenly gives him 15 carries to Gore's five. Then there's something there possibly. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I mean, as far as dropped running backs or guys we can drop, uh, Daryl Williams, yeah, you're you're gone completely. Cam Akers, um, thanks for you know completely ruining that situation. We were supposed to get Cam Akers more opportunities. That's what I was told. Uh, head coach of Rams, thank you very much. Mm. Sean McVay, you completely ruined Jerry Donabinian's DFS Monday Night Stacks. <laughs> it looks like Sunday yeah, Night Stacks. Looks like Daryl Henderson's the man, and it's going to be for the foreseeable future. Akers will kind of be what Daryl Henderson was last year in terms of not really non-existent, getting, not getting touches. <laughs> All right, let's move over to the wide receivers. I mean, it was a pretty good hit week, I think, for the most part. Uh, Claypool had another touchdown. We had Brandon Cooks do some things. I think Mike Williams is going to be really interesting. Definitely pay attention to the Chargers uh, injury report with Keenan Allen in the coming days. Henry Ruggs, Fulgham had another good game as well. And we know Preston Williams had back-to-back touchdowns. This is going to be a less exciting one, right? I mean, like, I have Keelan Cole in three different leagues. I am not excited to roster Keelan Cole in any of those leagues, and yet he did have a pretty big game. DJ Chark wasn't a huge factor. LaVisca Chenault wasn't a DJ huge factor. DJ Chark was a, was a factor in a sense where uh, Gardner Minshew targeted him 14 times, but uh, Keelan Cole absolutely had right. not, He made the most of his, uh, caught six of his nine targets for 143 yards. Um, I know there are a lot of Chenault truthers out there. That, you know, some people... There, there are other guys in this offense, but I think Cole's been established as a pretty clear number two, and on a team that's got to throw quite a bit, uh, you know, I, I think he's worth rostering. I wonder if, if and when Doug Marone is gone, what that team changes like. So I get, I get a little bit worried from a fancy perspective. This is my job. What if Anthony Lynn got fired from the Chargers? It's possible they've kind of struggled this year. Does that offense change dramatically? And if it does, that stinks because Justin Herbert's been fantastic. We know Keenan Allen's been so successful. Hunter Henry. Let's reverse it, though. Like, what happens if Jacksonville fires their head coach? Might be a good thing. Gardner Minshew might be a little bit better of a player. James Robinson might be a better of a player. Or I don't know. Like, I mean, he's already doing pretty good. But Well, we know there'll be a better player in the week immediately afterwards, apparently. <laughs> that's how it's been going, it seems like. So, yeah, and that's... It's just something to monitor. I, I don't like. I, I I'm not going out and saying you need to go get Keelan Cole. In fact, I'll take Bernard. I'll take uh, Jeremy McNichols and Boston Scott over Keelan Cole right now. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's just how my rosters are constructed. Marcus Johnson's kind of interesting name. 108 yards. He just got confirmed to the active roster this past Saturday. He they've been doing the 
uh, practice squad call up, then you send him back down, then you do it again. You could do that twice before you get to be actually on the active roster. Mm-hmm. Well, here he is, active roster, Philip Rivers, 108 yards, uh, and and really has kind of pushed T.J. Hilton into obvious cutting territory from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely T.J. Hilton's got to be on the chopping block this week. Marcus Johnson's very interesting. He's a free agent in our 14-team, 20-man roster dynasty league, so I can see maybe some bids heading his way. Although he's 26 years old, so it's not like he's you know just getting in the league. He's been around since 2017 with Philly, uh, but no, he had. I mean, he basically had the best game. Uh, out of all indie pass catchers, I don't expect Indianapolis to go down three touchdowns immediately in a lot of games like <laughs> yeah. they did against Cincinnati. That elite Colts defense really holding up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that was that was weird for me at first. But anyway, uh, Marcus Johnson makes this list. I also put Sterling Shepard on this list. Uh, we don't know for sure if he's going to be back for uh, Thursday Night Football, but a return is possibly um in, in the cards eventually here, and Darius Slayton kind of had that ankle injury, mm-hmm. missed a little bit of time, then came back. So, you know, he's not quite 100%. Um, I put Adam Humphreys on the list. I like that one. At 9%, only until Corey Davis comes back, because then I think the roles, you know, the the, the, yeah. script, the script gets flipped here, and Corey Davis, who, you know, is, is by a is by all means better than Adam Humphreys takes that role over for me. So uh, it's a short term, but it's a patch, and Humphreys could fill that for you. One more guy you wanted to hit? Yeah, well, I just before we get to Devin DuVernay, who I, I just can't stop talking about, but the Titans situation, there really is just such a small tree when Derrick Henry is doing as well as he is. You have A.J. Brown, or in, in earlier season it was Corey Davis, right? And then the tight ends. I mean, whether it be John O. Smith or Ferkser, who was a huge guy this week, that there's really just a second wide receiver. There can't be a third one. So you're absolutely right. If Corey Davis and one Corey Davis comes back, Adam Humphreys probably falls to the wayside or gets a year three for 36. It's just not possible. But until that happens, the way their offense is running, you have to have a second wide receiver. And they've been so good that having that second wide receiver has been fantastic. So I'm I'm in with you on Adam Humphreys as well. And he's got him targeting in a lot of leagues. DeVerne is going to be a fantasy factor at some point down the road. Just how we were suggesting, what, since like August, pick up Justin Jefferson, go after Justin Jefferson, target Justin Jefferson. I think DeVernay is going to have that same effect on an offense mm-hmm. like the Ravens at some point down the road. Now, I, I, I don't know when because the Ravens, for as great as they have been with making Lamar Jackson a really, really good quarterback, they have not been able to get the right skill position guys out there to be most effective. This mm-hmm. feels like it's right underneath their nose and they can't see it type of deal. Like I like I'm concerned where somebody is just blind or I don't know what they're seeing on tape that I'm not. Mm-hmm. He's just fantastic and electric and th- he's going to make a difference. Yeah, his ceiling's like to me I think of his ceiling as like a slightly more muscular rock solid Tyreek Hill. If that makes sense, I mean, and that's a that's a lofty, lofty ceiling, and we won't see that this year. We might not even see it until next year. But uh, I, I like what I've seen from him on film. I think they can get creative with how they use him in the offense. They can give him carries if their backfield's you know a little banged mm-hmm. up. Uh, you can use him on end arounds, all, all sorts of. Uh, he's very sure sure handed. His short routes will be excellent, and he'll be someone that can be relied on to move the chains. You know, especially as a tertiary option past Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews. I think DuVernay eventually sneaks into that. Um, now, again, we do these podcasts, and then we get questions on Twitter immediately after. Who do I got to drop to get DuVernay? 
you don't have to go get him in a 10-team league because he's going to be available <laughs> right. next week. You probably don't even have to get him in a 12-team league. Like, oh, do I drop uh, do I drop Gallup or something to get Duvernay? No. no, no, you don't do that kind of thing yet. But, um, but just keep in mind that uh, he's someone that – you know, if you have little watch lists or flags for players, that's sure. something you could do. If you're if you're making a you know a list on RotoWire, which is uh, you know random free agents where you get their updates, you know maybe you add Duvernay onto that because you know you can get them for zero dollars now. But how? I mean, the way fantasy football is going this year, and the way injuries and and random bye weeks out of nowhere are going, like not many twelve teamers can really have room to roster Duvernay. But Keep in mind your radar. That's all we're saying. That's true. And that's a really good point. I I think like, okay, so Tim Patrick, who's been really excellent as the number one guy for the Broncos. I know Jerry Judy's around. Cortland Sutton's on injury reserve. Fant is injured, as you mentioned as well. But Tim Patrick has been the guy for the Broncos. I think DeVernay can do even better than that right now. And like he had 100 plus catches in Texas last year, and he's really fast. Mm -hmm. Just if you find the right way to use him. He can so I, you know I'm, I'm hoping the Ravens do. I have a lot of stock from him in my dynasty purposes. I'm also not on a bye week. I'm not rostering him in any of my season long leagues. So I'm don't pr- like practice what I'm preaching. I'm not going out and grinding him there, just like you're mentioning as well. But I think he could make a huge difference down the road. So mm-hmm. you mentioned Hardman is a guy you're dropping. Um, I Scotty Miller, I'm trying to drop everywhere I can right now at this point. Is there any other wide receivers that you're thinking yeah. of? No, those are the two I wrote down. Those okay. are the two for a reason. Scotty Miller's with Godwin there. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. Explanatory here, you know they don't they don't need to give him a ton of targets as long as the rest of their guys are healthy. Michael Harmon, we had that talk. We don't need to do that a ton. So <laughs> moving yeah. on to tight ends, um, I think we actually have to start first with Darren Fells, um, who had a, another good game and faces now the Packers defense that just let Gronkowski look like he was back in 2016 again. I mean, like this is a situation of Jordan Akins is out once again. He's missed the last two weeks now, I think with dual injuries, but one of them's a concussion, if I remember correctly. Ankle and concussion injuries. Yeah, okay. I mean, like that's that's two different things he's got to go over. Darren Fells is a quality veteran tight end, and Deshaun Watson really looks his way in the middle of the field. Think like a 5 zero or like a five flat 40 version of Travis Kelsey because that's kind of what Darren Fells has been doing for that offense right now I really like him as a top 10 fantasy tight end this week against the Packers defense Mm -hmm. yeah I can buy that I mean Fells is a veteran he's been in the league for a while and he seems to have plenty of chemistry with Deshaun Watson he is the guy with Aikens out and I don't think there's much more that needs to be said than that in the tight end climate he could easily be a tight end one as we head into bye weeks and his guys like Zach Ertz for example guys we thought might be tight end ones are, are getting hurt and left out there here this thursday night game has a lot of weird fantasy implications this week it has huge league implications for i I think the winner will take the lead in that probably division and then there are big fantasy implications um the thing is though dallas goddard is a guy you have to talk about in the tight end section this week 41 percent rostered uh Ertz going on ir probably three to four weeks high ankle sprain but goddard there's no guarantee that he comes off ir for this thursday night game so it's kind of a longer term stash if you can get him and if you're in leagues where rostering him is viable he's probably already rostered so so that right. makes things a little bit tough but uh he would be a name that you look at because i mean tight ends have been bad yeah right it's been so brutal this year if you can and, unless you and have goddard, andrews kelsey or yeah. kittle right it's Go- hard goddard's arguably a tight end one even when Ertz is healthy sure. because they go plenty of two tight end sets now think of goddard without Ertz around in the in the mix and there's something there if goddard's not coming back they do have richard rogers who is zero percent owned who you and i <laughs> Former are Packer. familiar yep. with who can catch hail marys like 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 crazy <laughs> um i don't necessarily know that he throw he 
climbs into startable tight end territory. Who knows how the heck this no. scheme's going to work out? But he's a name that I guess you would look at, but uh, after Fells for sure. Yeah, it's interesting to see Goddard at 41% rostered. To me, that just says, man, I'm sad 50% of Yahoo leagues don't have IR spots because why else are you dropping him? That That's literally the exactly. only way that's going to be happening. But you're right, and it's worth pointing out again, they play Thursday, so we should know pretty soon, like maybe even if you have late pickups, it'll be right around the time when we find out if Goddard is actually active or not to play in this game. I'm not aggressively going out and getting Rodgers, even if Ertz, is, Ertz and Goddard are out. Uh, I would much rather have Fells, and I would much rather have Anthony Ferkser, who went for 113 yards and a touchdown with Johnny Smith out this past week or injured during the game. It's supposed to be a minor injury with Johnny Smith, but I, like I think Ferkser is going to be a very talented guy mm-hmm. and does Darren Fells' numbers when, when Johnny Smith is not around. Ferkser is also available in our 14-team staff dynasty league that has 20 team. I already have rosters. Robert Tanyan, so I don't need to go ahead oh, and get yeah, him. It's fine. T. So, okay, fair enough. But, yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a rare, odd shootout game. Um, I don't think they're going to have the capacity to give him this many targets moving forward, especially when John Smith is there. Ferkser goes back to, you know, special teams and maybe a couple offensive snaps. So not too crazy excited about it, but he's there. A um, couple other tight ends scored this week. I don't know if they're worth talking about. Trey Burton and Cole Komet. Uh, I'm personally a little bit more interested in Trey Burton, depending on the health of Mo Cox. Basically what happened here in Indianapolis is Mo Cox was out for the game and then Jack Doyle fumbled like really early in the game. You know, that was part of what contributed to Cincinnati going up by three scores early. Then Trey Burton came in. I like that he got his red zone targets and I like that they designed to play in the Wildcats specifically <laughs> for Trey Burton to take the direct snap into the end zone around the goal line. You don't see that out of tight ends, and and people have that upside. So I guess I like Burton a little bit better than someone like Komet, who um, still has to work behind Jimmy Graham, who, you know, Jimmy Graham's not going to block anybody. Right. He's your number one tight end pass catcher. So, um, Well, the Burton, I just want to mention the Burton thing, I don't know if necessarily was because of Moali Cox being hurt or the Doyle fumble. He's gotten five, six, and five targets in each of the last three weeks that he's came back since uh, – Week four, we, we know he has the connection um, with Frank Reich as well, back with their time with the Eagles. This this was like, this was coming. This was on the horizon. Now, the schemed play where he runs in a touchdown, no. But the Colts always do some random schemed play for their tight end every single year. We should just assume that it was going to be against the Bengals uh, with Zach Burton. But yeah. I think Spe- he's going to be interesting. Speaking of my week of clairvoyance, my slight humble break, I had Hunter Henry on a bye and Noah Fant uh, ruled out. So I I made the really tough decision to drop Noah Fant for Trey Burton and start Trey Burton. That's incredible. I, I mean, like, that really is a, a ballsy. I mean, you traded him. You didn't drop him, right? Oh, this is a different league. Oh, I my dropped, God. I, I mean, dropped that's... Fant because I had to. <laughs> I, I didn't have a okay. choice. It was drop Fant or take a zero. I, and instead you got mm-hmm. 15, 16 yeah. points out of it. I purchased him for $4 at auction. I'm really hoping that I can buy him back for $3 in fab. So technically it'll save me a dollar <laughs> in keeper costs next year because I do like no offense. You're that guy in the league that is like five and two, but has the least amount scored on him. I, I hate mm-hmm. you. I hate you in these mm-hmm. types of leagues. I actually ended up losing because I had to start Tony Pollard, which huh. I thought was going to maybe work after those oh, doubles. Oh, the fumbles. After yeah. the double Zeke fumbles, they put Pollard in. I was like, oh, baby. Oh, my God. Could you imagine if that worked on your favor? I, there was actually a point on the final drive in the fourth quarter where I was up by four points going against Amari Cooper. And oh, then, of course, you know, yeah. it went away, but I didn't deserve to win that matchup. I had no business winning it. All right. Defensive streamers can stop bragging. <laughs> Saints against the Panthers. Titans against the Steelers. Giants against the Eagles. Eagles against the Giants. Those are all guys or like defenses 
under 40% owned. I've actually seen a lot of Washington also available against the Cowboys. Like if you want to bet against Dalton again, that's a different scenario. But the Bills play the Jets this week. And again, we talked about earlier, Bills are yep. close to 70% owned, so you can't target that matchup on anymore. Yep. So the universally recommended defense across RotoWire, whether it's Payne's waiver wire article, whether it's Jerry's streaming defense, uh, it is the Philadelphia Eagles against the Giants. They are capable of getting turnovers. Daniel Jones is capable of creating turnovers. And uh, I mean, it's simple as that. They're only 31% rostered. Uh, they're the team, I think. Um, another one getting some love is maybe the Chargers at 28% against Jacksonville. Don't feel that great about it, but it's a real tough week for defenses. Chances are you're just starting who you got. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, honestly, the defensive streamers are pretty reflective of the pickups overall this week, unless you are really in need of a running back. Again, Boston Scott's your top priority, or a J.D. McKissick as a fill-in at Flexer you know, running back two. It's kind of more of long-term plays, whether it be Giovanni Bernard or Jeremy McNichols. Maybe you can find those long-term plays at wide receiver out of Marcus Johnson, for example. That's mm-hmm. that's the best case. I think actually the most value for this week comes from the tight end position, whether it be Darren Fells or Anthony Ferkser, and both depend on injuries. So, yeah. I mean, that's kind of like a, a putting a bow on this whole podcast is maybe this isn't a huge week for pickups anyway. Yeah, exactly. While someone out in your league buys the Tua hype and uses their first waiver priority on Tua, sneak in behind him, grab either a guy like Boston Scott that can help you this week or someone like you know like like goddard or or any of those other guys that we mentioned that that can help you more down the road here without having to use that top waiver priority there's nobody that really outside of two in a two quarterback league and you know kind of in summary here that i'm thinking uh too much more than 15 percent of your fab uh and you know that that's boston scott in the right circumstances so not a huge waiver wire pickup but there are some sneaky things that you can do to make your team better don't waste any bench spots is the theme should be the theme of every show yeah um, and we've been getting a lot of Twitter inter- interaction lately. Uh, you can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. You can talk to Jake at Roto Jake. Uh, certainly ask us any lineup questions you have. Please don't necessarily ask us about DeVernay and who do you need to drop instead of <laughs> Patrick Mahomes or something like that. But we'd be glad to help out as best we can with any of those questions. And we got a long list of other podcasts on the network coming up. Of course, Wednesday, Jeff and his guest. And we have the Thursday show, John Amario. Really is a great breakdown of the NFL slates. And then we have the DFS stuff every Friday as well, which does really great and yeah. is helping me out quite a lot of these podcasts available on YouTube via because uh, we're recording video with them. We're going to well. have that one of these days. Well, eventually, too. you're going to have to see our ugly mugs on YouTube, <laughs> and uh, and you know we'll deal with that accordingly. Uh, I don't look like my Twitter bio picture anymore. I've kind of embraced a mountain man deal since quarantine. So uh, we'll we'll surprise surprise later on. But thank you everybody for listening. Keep the questions coming, and, and, and have a great week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.